Welcome to What's Up, Wellness from the Third Floor. This podcast is provided by the Wellness and Health Action Team, also known as WET, from Portland State University's Center for Student Health and Counseling, or SHAC. We're located in the Health Promotion Suite on the third floor of the University Center building on campus. Our purpose with this podcast is to discuss a variety of health-related topics in a way that will be accessible for a non-traditional campus. My name is Bella, and my pronouns are she, her, hers. My name is Josh, and my pronouns are they, them, theirs. And my name is Quinn. My pronouns are he, him, his. We're all members of the Wellness and Health Action Team, and we'll be your hosts for this podcast. Let's get into it. This episode on stress management tools was recorded prior to the current COVID-19 pandemic that is affecting all of our lives. This should serve as a general guide to stress management, and some of the tools will require some adjustment in this period of social distancing. We hope that you all are staying safe and healthy and will benefit from our content this term. Hey, folks. Um, So welcome to the first episode of our spring term um, series here. And today we're going to be talking to another member of our what team about techniques for stress management. Hi, I'm Crystal, and I'm on the Wellness and Health Action team here. I use she, her pronouns, and I'm a health studies major. Awesome. Um, So this is just kind of a follow-up episode to our stress episode that we had back in the winter term. And um, we mentioned that we would try to give you more tips on how to actually manage stress and to kind of address the excess stress that we might have and turn bad stress into good stress. So this is that episode, and hopefully you find this helpful. um, And we will be sharing as many tips as we can, but also know that it's not going to be an exhaustive list and there's always going to be new things to try. Um, But we'll just start with number one, find what works for you. So basically, um, finding what works for you just means experiment and do stuff for like a trial period. And let's talk a little bit also about how um, (laughs) we can sometimes get in our our heads of like, we're going to start doing this now, or I'm going to integrate this into my life. But how long do you usually think it takes to actually implement those practices? Yeah. And I think with that, sometimes when we want to add a practice into our routine and we make it like a goal, it makes it actually more of a stressor, Mm -hmm. you know, and you start to feel bad about like, oh no, I didn't get up and meditate before work or class like I meant to. Yeah. That sucks. I'm failing at this, Mm -hmm. which is not helpful. Yeah. And I think sometimes that can like be a sign that that's not something that's actually going to work for you and is actually going to decrease your stress. And maybe it's finding something different. And also knowing that you can't just do something once and then expect it to work forever. So sometimes like trying something for maybe a few weeks or for a term and seeing if like this is going to be your thing or maybe you'll want to move on to trying something else. And I think also with finding what works for you, um, it's a really about trial and error. Like I'll give an example. For me, um, like – there's coloring pages, there's like therapeutic um, coloring, and I love coloring and I love drawing and colors and art. And so I thought this would be great for me, this would be perfect. And 
it does not actually work for me because once I start coloring, I get so stressed out about coloring inside the lines and making everything so perfect and the right colors. And it actually, like, I feel the tension in my body <laughs> and I get more stressed out than I was before. So. Yeah, I feel you on that one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Thing. So, like, just knowing that maybe someone else loves that and that's, like, what gets them going and gets them de-stressed. But that might not be the same for you. Yeah. And definitely, like you mentioned earlier, like it might work for a period of time and then it might change. And so I think remembering that, you know, just because something worked in the past or, you know, I've been doing this for a year and it's just not really helping anymore. Mm -hmm. That's normal. And it's okay for things to to change as time goes on. Yeah. And I think that brings us um, as a good segue to our next um, tip here, number two, which is that every situation has a lesson. And learning what actually works for you and what doesn't work for you. And also learning, like, what actually triggers your stress or anxiety and trying to be really reflective about that. Yeah, I think that the key point with this is really kind of about observation and being able to kind of, whether it's in the moment or maybe, like, after you've sort of recovered from a stressful situation, to take a step back and say, okay, what was actually happening here? Yeah. Like, what were the triggers? What was my emotional response? Like, how was that? Um, and that kind of ties into what we'll talk about later with with mindfulness, because in order to do that, you kind of have to be mindful of what's happening um, in your own head at the time. Mm-hmm. And this is also, um, we're not going to get super deep into this today, but um, cognitive reframing is uh, a part of how you can sort of start to learn that lesson by taking a step back and kind of assessing things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that brings us to number three, which is the cognitive reframing that you mentioned, um, along with PMA or positive mental attitude. So let me just ask you, because you do this workshop all the time, (laughs) what is PMA? Um, So PMA, yeah, stands for positive mental attitude, which sounds really simple, um, but it's really not just about thinking positive or, you know, every cloud has a silver lining. Mm -hmm. Um, And sometimes that's just not true. Uh, I think it's a really important thing to address when we're talking about PMA. There's a lot of situations that are out of our control and they're just negative situations, you know, losing a job, losing a family member and uh, telling someone just to be positive or Uh, think happy about those things is not helpful. Yeah. But PMA is really about when you're in a place where you've kind of dealt with the initial emotions and stress of a situation and you're ready to start sort of moving forward, tools and um, methods that you can use to start to sort of change your outlook or your perception. And so this might include things like you know, let's say you did lose your job and then maybe a month or two later you, you know, have another job, you've kind of recovered, you've processed emotionally Mm -hmm. and you can start to look at things um, instead of being like, oh, I lost my job. That was the worst thing that ever happened. It ruined my life. Um, Being like, I lost that job and that was sad and that hurt, but now I have a new one and I really like my coworkers and it's going well. Mm -hmm. Uh, So kind of just reframing your perception of that situation. Yeah, and I think there's an important point that you touched on, which is like knowing that 
PMA is not going to solve your problems yeah. and it's not going to make things just disappear. And it's also not about being in denial when you are hurting or mm -hmm. going through a stressful situation, but being able to um, reframe the negative thoughts into positive thoughts and then turn that into positive actions that you can take to actually like address the situation and address it with a clear focused mind using that prefrontal cortex and using logic instead of just kind of thinking about the fear and um, the pain that you might be going through. Yeah. And in general with PMA, there's like two main sort of actions that are associated with it that I like to mention. Um, and both of them, the goal of PMA is really ultimately to just increase life satisfaction mm -hmm. and um, kind of help reduce things like depression and anxiety. And so that looks different for a lot of people, um, but two ways that are really effective in sort of helping to work towards that place are um, using affirmations, which are positive I statements. Um, and these can, the great thing about a tool like this is you don't need a lot of um, time or money or anything to do this. You can just think and say these things to yourself throughout your day. Um, you know, maybe it's something as simple as like, I can make it through today. Mm -hmm. Like I'm gonna be okay today. Mm -hmm. um, and then also uh, using gratitude, I think, is really powerful because when we can address things that we do have in our life that we feel are positive, it helps to overall um, promote just general positivity in our lives. And so even just, again, as you're going throughout your day, just kind of noticing and acknowledging like, oh, I'm really grateful that I have a job where I make money today or, oh, I'm really grateful that I had this conversation um, can really uh, help you feel like you do have more of an abundance in your life. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then let's talk a little bit about internal versus external stressors and how we can kind of navigate knowing the difference and what's in our control versus what's out of our control. Yeah, absolutely. So um, internal stress is kind of what it sounds like. It's the stuff that's sort of more inside of our heads that we do have control over. Um, this is often associated with sort of your perception about perceptions about yourself um, or your situation. So a lot of kind of self-esteem stuff can be connected to this idea. Uh, things like I'm not doing enough or I'm failing mm -hmm. or I should be working harder um, is sort of things that we can control, right? And that's where like affirmations come in, um, identifying those thoughts of I'm not doing enough and saying, okay, I noticed that thought let's pause that and let's reframe that as, no, I am doing enough. I'm in mm -hmm. school. Mm -hmm. I'm working really hard. Um, I'm doing okay. Yeah. And like, I'm doing what I can in this moment. Mm -hmm. And so that's going to mean something different for every moment, moment, right? So it's like, sometimes you are able to handle more and do more. And sometimes you're not. And being able to really be conscious of that and yeah. to have space for like forgiveness for yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so external stress is going to be um, more of, yeah, the stuff that's outside of, you know, kind of your mind or your control. Um, and this is kind of like we talked about earlier, uh, things that, you know, maybe uh, related to work or school or family members, um, other people's actions, uh, systemic systems mm -hmm. and institutional barriers, that stuff we can't uh, really control. 
And that's where PMA might not be helpful. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sometimes it can be because you could just, you can kind of change how you approach it or you think about it, but it's not going to change the reality of what's going on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think also knowing that like, this is something that I have absolutely no control over, um, but I'm going to still live my life to to its fullest and do what I can um, and try not to spend too much time stressing about things that you really can't change. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so let's move into number four, which is staying active. And I have two caveats for this. I want to say staying active instead of exercise because active can be more inclusive and include different things and people might be able to like um, spend more time thinking about this and integrating this into their life than like going to the gym. Um, And I also want to say stay active however you're able and we all have different abilities and um, people can practice this in many different ways and figure out like again what works for you. Um, But what are some ways that people can kind of stay active in their life that's not like the traditional going to the gym or Mm -hmm. going for a run? Yeah. Um, I definitely think the key point to this that is specifically related to stress is spending some time connecting to your body Mm -hmm. and how it is in reality right now. Yes. And that can really be done in a lot of ways that aren't really even including that much like physical movement. Mm -hmm. Um, We don't typically talk about something like breathing as like an activity because mm-hmm. we're doing it all the time, but taking some really deep mindful breaths, maybe putting, you know, a hand on your chest or your belly while you do that. I mean, that's an active, engaged activity to mm-hmm. do with your body. Um, and so I think that even just taking a moment or two to do something like that um, is a lot more accessible than mm-hmm. even some of the things that are um, often sort of talked about as accessible activities, um, like walking, which is, um, which is great. If you have the ability to walk, that can be really beneficial. Um, but even, you know, going for a walk is beyond a lot of people's capacity for a lot of reasons. Um, but taking a deep breath is something Mm -hmm. that hopefully all of us can do. Yeah, (laughs) hopefully. (laughs) Um, yeah, absolutely. And I think there's a lot of there's a lot of different ways you can engage your body and connect with your body and it can be really grounding and also bring you back to the present moment. I think sometimes with stress, we get so like upper body just in our heads and thinking about what's going on in our, in our brains and stress has so many implications for your body. So to be able to like check in and, like engage our bodies and be and even just like touch our legs or our Mm -hmm. arms and just like feel that we are there and we're present and we have abilities that are beyond our wildest imaginations Mm -hmm. um and having strength in that can be really um helpful for kind of reframing the stress in that way. And so that kind of moves us into mindfulness, which is number five. Um, So what are some ways that we can practice mindfulness beyond, um, I think mindfulness, yes, it can be like sit down and do mindful breathing and, you know, have like maybe a 30 minute meditation or something. Um, But what else can mindfulness be? So I once listened to a Dharma talk by um, the current Karmapa 
which is a religious leader in Buddhism. And he was asked how much time he spends in meditation per day. Mm -hmm. And you would think as a Buddhist religious leader, it would be like hours or something. Mm -hmm. And he said that he really doesn't spend very much time like sitting on the meditation cushion Mm -hmm. and that he meditates constantly throughout his day. Like he says, you know, when I get up and get dressed, I'm meditating. When I, you know, eat my food, when I go about my day. And I thought that that was really um, like inspiring, but also really real and accessible that, yeah, yeah, most of us don't have the capacity to sit and meditate even for like five minutes. But thinking about how you can be mindful while you're doing things that are already happening in your life was like a really big game changer for me. Absolutely. And I think one of the greatest examples of this that I like to use for my own life and have seen other people use as well is finding grounding techniques as part of mm-hmm. mindfulness. So even if you're just like on the max or walking from class to class, like sometimes turning off the music and turning off all of the sounds that you're hearing and just being able to be present and where you are and like notice all the colors that you see. Notice if you hear some music playing like down the street or someone screaming down the street as (laughs) it happens very often in Portland Um, and like feeling your feet hit the ground and smelling what you smell and being really aware of our senses and checking in with our body in that way can really ground us in a way that allows us to move away from all of the the trains of like negative thoughts that happen when we're in like the stress response mode yeah absolutely yeah um so let's move to number six which is let it out and i have this kind of broad let it out um tip here which can include lots of things like journaling Um, letting it out with yourself, Mm -hmm. Um, talking to someone that can be like with a friend or a partner or a therapist if you need that, Um, spending time with friends, writing, like that can include poetry, songs, stories, just write random words that come into your head. Mm -hmm. Um, So what are some ways that you like to let it out? Um, I think the, the tool that I probably turn to the most Everyone's going to think I'm just obsessed with breathing, but um, (laughs) it's just like a really exhaustive exhale, like kind of like a like just let physically letting my breath out um, and kind of trying to think about, you know, sinking my shoulders down and kind of like letting my muscles Mm -hmm. hang a little heavy Mm -hmm. when I do that. Um, And again, it's something just throughout the day as I get, you know, kind of worn down or different things, just sort of like letting out that stress Mm -hmm. um, in that way is helpful. Yeah, totally. And I think it's about removing it from being so bottled up inside your body Mm -hmm. and having it physically outside of your body can be really helpful to see things more clearly. And I think this is why a lot of people like to make to-do lists and make them over and over and over again, even if they're not able to finish everything, but to have everything outside of your brain and to have it physically see it, you can often see that there's less than you thought and it's a little bit yeah. less crowded mm-hmm. um, than being so, like stuck inside you. And it can hold tension in your body so much mm-hmm. and affect our, our gut and our brain and our circulation. Yeah. Um, so being able to remove it from your body can be really helpful. Yeah. Um, and 
The opposite of that is number seven, which is put good stuff in your body. Yeah. Um, so basically what I mean by this is eating food that fuels you and makes you feel good. And I think this takes a lot of honesty and mm-hmm. humility about what actually feels good versus what you think you need or what right. you think act- might feel good for you. Yeah. I definitely think that especially um, as students or just having busier lives in general, it's actually really hard just to get enough nutrients Uh and enough food. Uh And I think that in our society, there's a lot of discussion around elimination um, with food, but we really need to be thinking more about adding. Um, Like as much as we can, um, being able to just consume things, like (laughs) just like being able to eat, um, being able to drink water, um, because I think a lot of us actually are probably a little shy on that sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. Especially as students, students who work, which most of us do. Um, and I think part of this is caffeine. And I know some of you are going to hate me for this, but <laughs> um, really thinking deeply about whether or not that caffeine is going to be helpful for you or is going to be limiting you yeah. in the situation that you're in. Yeah. And that's going to be different. All the time, of course, like I always say, um, context is so important, but being able to be real with yourself. Yeah, and And being mindful about it. Yeah, Yeah. totally, completely. I think the last thing that I'd want to touch on with this too is um, just including like pleasure in eating. I think we really disconnect uh, pleasure and food, um, but really like that's a huge part of eating in a lot of cultures and um, it can be a really great coping mechanism and like method of celebration and a variety of different things. And so part of putting good stuff in your body is putting in stuff that feels good and is pleasurable. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think my last point on this also is um, being reflective about whether or not the substances you might be using, such as drugs or alcohol, um, is being helpful in this moment and whether or not you're kind of trying to solve problems or influence your emotional state with that sort of thing. Um, and that's part of putting good stuff in your body. Um, and there, there's healthy and unhealthy ways to do that. And hopefully you can find ways to be honest with yourself about that as well. Right. Yeah. Um, so we'll move to number eight, which is get some sleep. Yes. Yeah. This is my favorite one. <laughs> Yeah, so um, obviously you can refer back to our very first episode, which is on sleep, for more sleep tips and conversation around how to get sleep. Um, But hopefully you can be getting a full night's sleep every night. Obviously that's not always possible. Mm -hmm. We know that, especially for students. Um, But even when deadlines are approaching, trying to really prioritize sleep – and taking power naps if you need to. Yeah. yeah. Um, so do you have any thoughts around how to get some some good quality sleep? Yeah. So for me, I think the biggest thing has been that um, not sleeping a lot is really glamorized in our society. Absolutely. Um, because we're in a capitalist society where uh, time is money and your mm-hmm. productivity is money mm-hmm. and you're not valuable unless you're producing a lot. Yeah. And so – Um, we're really kind of taught that we shouldn't be sleeping very much and that we should be working a lot. Mm -hmm. And so I think just 
really questioning the truth of that and um, kind of breaking down that like dominant narrative that we've been taught for so long. Um, Because I think the first step to having more sleep is giving yourself permission to sleep Mm -hmm, more. mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, I've kind of gotten to a place personally where I'm like, you know what, this is the sleeping is more important because if I don't sleep, then I'm not going to be able to do anything else. Yeah. And so I, you know, I will not finish something in order to go to sleep and that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Your body is your temple and your body is going to be with you a lot longer than that one assignment or project Mm -hmm. that you have to do. So, um, yeah, get some sleep. Go to sleep right now. Um, (laughs) And then we will move to our ninth tip here, and it's our final tip. Um, And it is to seek and or give support. Mm -hmm. And caring for others can be a huge part of reducing stress and reducing your own stress and also the stress of people around you. Yeah. Yeah, I think that, um, again, this is just – one of those things that can be tricky to fit in when we already have a lot of things going on. Um, Because to me, this really gets down to sort of like quality time in our relationships. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that, you know, maybe making like appointments, like make a one hour like tea or coffee date with a friend Mm -hmm. and have some time to sit and, you know, like share stories and support each other and connect in that way Mm -hmm. um, really can make a big difference. Absolutely. Even if it's like you don't even have one hour in your week to spend Mm -hmm. with a person, but maybe while you're, you know, traveling or while you're going from place to place, you can make a phone call to someone that you love and support. Um, And I also just want to say with this, let other people care for you. I think sometimes a lot of people are really resistant to like receiving help and letting people care for them. So Mm -hmm. I think that's a big important part of um, reducing stress and also just improving your quality of life in general. Yeah. 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 All right. So that's what we have for stress management techniques. I hope that you all found something in here that's helpful. Hopefully you can write down a few things that you might want to try or you might want to give it another go if you've tried before. Um, But I just want to say before we sign off, thank you to Crystal for coming. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for joining us for this week's episode. Join us next week wherever fine podcasts are streamed for another deep dive into wellness. We'll be starting a two-part series on how racism affects health. Now, normally, this would be the part where I would tell you all um, where you could find us throughout the week or what other fantastic events are going on around campus but things are definitely different this term. The good news is Shaq, Wet, and the PSU community are still here to be able to be a resource and support. And while things may have a more virtual focus, we're still striving to continue to be able to provide opportunities for community throughout this. So stay tuned. We'll be connecting with you all in new and exciting ways. Like always, you can reach out to us at our email and Instagram page, links in the episode description as always. Um, But we're also working on curating podcasts podcast episodes this term that pertain to this new normal we're all living in, a virtual newsletter, online workshops, and interesting activities like what we would do at tabling events of the hut, but tailored for a more online environment. Stay safe and well, everyone, and remember to wash your hands. Until next week. <laughs>